This is Ball Talk with Rick and Paul, and this is Odd and Weird Stuff Day around here. I thought around here every day was odd and weird stuff with us. Actually, that's that's our personal description. <laughs> I'm Odd Rick Cushman. Okay, then I'll be a Weird Paul Wagner. And this is good old Odd and Weird Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Today we have some of the weird stuff in the wine world, including jalapeno pepper wine. Mm. We have some info about a wine lover of sorts who was an ancient Egyptian ruler named King Scorpion. We get some jokes from an old friend, and a listener asks about what wines to bring to parties, including work parties with, I like this, normal people. How would we know? Uh, We're going to have to guess. Plus, as usual, we'll make fun of wine snobs, normal or not. Stay with us. listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and today we've got some good tids and bits and a few weird little pieces of news from the wine world. Isn't tids and bits a dog food? That's kibbles and bits. This is wine news. Okay, so what wine goes with kibbles and bits? I sincerely hope none. <laughs> All right. I, don't, I, don't, I think dogs are not particular. So <laughs> They're like you, Rick. They'll drink anything. <laughs> exactly. I, I'm, I model my wine drinking off of my friend's dog. All right. Let's start with something that builds on. Uh, this is actually a bit more of a, ki- a tibble. Uh, a, a, a kittle or a big? I think this is a tid. Uh, <laughs> um, this is actually a good tid, though. This is built on um, some news that we had did a couple weeks ago. We did a show on... Some the health news of the wine. Right. And so, first off, do not take medical advice from Rick or Paul. Do not take medical advice from Rick and Paul. We are we don't even play doctors on the radio. We don't play. Do not take any advice, but dear God, <laughs> no, don't right. take. The particular kind of advice you should not take <laughs> is medical, although financials right up there, too. That's right. All right. So, uh, we're just relaying a report. It's about our friend resveratrol. Remember, that's the antioxidant in grape skins. Right. So, the um, what's the the question that they've been sort of trying to figure out is... How much of it is good for you? Yeah. You know, is is enough in a glass the right... Should right. you be taking a supplement, that right. sort of thing? Right. Or should you really be giving yourself the mega dose? Right. Right, right, right. And the answer's been unclear um, for lots of reasons, mostly because the first studies were tested at the larger doses, much higher than a regular person would eat, even higher than a mouse could eat, despite the fact... My that's poor mice. astonishing. It is, yes. And, um, what kind of wines did the mice get to drink <laughs> they, with their resveratrol they, 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 supplements? I, I think they went for Cabernet. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, this is new research from the University of Leicester in the UK. Leicester. Leicester. By the way. Leicester. 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 Yeah, like Worcestershire sauce. I've been saying it wrong forever. Oh, well, there you go. I like Leicester. Leicester. It's the University of. Uh, this is place in, in the university in the UK. <laughs> anyway, the point is they looked at resveratrol's effect on the treatment and prevention of cholera rectal cancer. Mm-hmm. And what they found was that it turns out the amount of uh, like a glass of red wine may be the more effective dose. This was reported in, uh-huh. as you know, I love reading this stuff, the Science Translational Medicine Journal. Yes. Actually, it's a terribly written journal, and this story is terribly written, but I managed to translate it, I think. Into English. Into English, from English, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, so what what they said was the most of the previous tests were uh, at the larger level. Right. And so the, the problem was that the results were inconsistent and somewhat discouraging. Hmm. Um, this study, they tested the amount in a typical glass of wine on red wine, on a red wine on tumors, 
the intestines of both humans and mice. Now, here's my question. Is it a mouse-sized glass? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. A little, a little itty-bitty glass. They borrowed it from Barbie. Yeah, entirely possible. <laughs> they, but, and they also tested the common supplement dose, which is about two to, 200 times larger than a, a normal glass of wine. Yeah. Yeah. So they measured the amount, and what they found was, uh, it was they're basically looking at whether it would stop or slow tumor growth. And right. uh, the glass of red wine dose caused what they called significant biological changes that suggested it could prevent colorectal cancer. They said more, you know, and it was more potent, better than the larger dose. Uh -huh. In the lab mice, what they saw was that the the um, the number or size of cancer cells decreased by like 52 percent. Mm -hmm. And Where, the mice were happier. And the mice were happier. Well, they were drunk. Well, no, actually, there was a higher in, the higher ingestion. They were happier, but it only decreased by about 25 percent. Uh, okay. So it's double the effectiveness. Right. Um, you know, and someday we need to do a really horrible science writing because these guys, you know, we, we had a we had a guy a couple of weeks ago that just used bunches of extra words where he said everything right. twice. They right. do this in in, in science you know, writing, but the words are six syllables yeah, long. Yeah, but case. it's even something so simple as contained in, which is redundant. Right. You know, right. but there's like uh, the the alternative former higher dose. Just the higher dose, alternative former, you know, it goes on and is, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you have to, and, and but it's so it so muddles up what they're saying, so so I'm just saying I think that's what the study said, but well, the headline saying that. if I have a chance to either have a glass of wine or a mega dose of resveratrol, I'm going for the glass of wine. Me too. Yeah. And it sounds like the mice made the same decision. Yeah. Well, you know, mice mice aren't dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that. <laughs> Although, how they get themselves in these tests, I'll never uh, know. No, no, no. Okay. Now, and now the weird stuff. Now, now we're going to get to the weird <laughs> yeah. stuff, right? You, now thought, you thought we were weird now before. <laughs> All right. This is, um, this is it's chili wine, not, not the country. Yeah. The chili pepper. The chili pepper wine. It's a guy named Rob McDonald. He's an Australian wine importer, and he's now a California vintner. He managed a, cub, a pub in Perth, and he was looking at like, things like spirits and beer that had all these categories of infused flavors. Right. You know, we got this question a long time ago. Oh, not so long ago, actually, yeah. a couple of weeks ago. We get these now and then about where the flavors come from. They are not infused. Right. Except for those you know, weird little wines at the end of the, the counter that say chocolate wine or chocolate-flavored right. wine or right. something. But So what he tried to do, and this is interesting, he tried things, the flavors that sort of show up in wine, although is his, in some of these— not so much. Sour cherries, uh, cocoa nibs, chopped red ripe jalapeno peppers. And he tried to throw them in during the fermentation. Yeah. And what he found out was the fermentation just overwhelmed just it. Blew, he, ju he just, just had evaporated and you know. bubbled everything out. So he's still working on it. So what he did was he basically, it's how they infuse some uh, spirits um, with herbs and fruit, uh -huh. yeah. is he macerated it by, by the wines already made. Right. And now he let this, he the wines soak. Up and then in, he pours it in. Yeah, so yeah. He makes sort of a soup, and then he drains the wine off of it again. Right. And Got he it. said the one that lit him up was the Sauvignon Blanc with jalapeno and, and habaneros. Yeah. He said it was actually pretty darn good. His quote is, it's like, it was like adding fruit to sangria, but you put too much in, you can't taste the wine anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I have sort of a funny story to tell about this, Rick, because years ago I was at a wine conference that had wines from every state in the Union. And one of the wines was a jalapeno pepper wine. Oh, yeah? How was it? Well, it's an interesting story because I was having dinner that night with Zelma Long and her husband, 
um, who are among the most knowledgeable wine people on the planet. Zelma was a winemaker for Robert Mondavi Winery for many years. Uh, she's in the California Vintners Hall of right. Fame, one of the great right. leaders of winemaking in America. So we're sitting around at the dinner table, and we just sit down, and, well, what should we drink? And I said, well, I actually ordered a sort of fun bottle to start the, to start us off. And the waitress, I instructed her, please keep the towel around the bottle, and if anybody asks, tell them it's a surprise. It was a jalapeno pepper wine. And we poured the wine around to this table of very, very serious wine people and all the rest. And Zelma was the one that I was most interested in. She very carefully smelled it. And she said, you know, it's got a lot of that pyrazine, that character you get from the green Right, vegetables. which is the like, chemical right, thing that creates that greenness. Green, right. a real pepper character to this. And yeah. I thought, boy, you know what? It turns out that she knows what she's talking about. And so she smelled it again. Yeah, lots of pyrazine. Boy, and she, she clearly wasn't sold on that part. She thought it had too much pyrazine. And then she took a sip. And, of course, it's jalapeno pepper. It's alcohol and... And spice. And Those are two... heat. Yes, which is something... When, when we talk about food and wine pairings, if, if anybody's heard us, like, on our uh, Cinco de Mayo show, alcohol is not, uh, you know, is not the best thing for, for, for a spice. It just yeah. en enhances it. So she takes a sip, and I watched the colors run up and down her face from white to red to white to red. And to her credit, she actually swallowed it. She didn't spit it out and turned to me, what the is this stuff? <laughs> and then I, of course, told her that I had just poured her a glass of jalapeno pepper wine. Ah. And she and her husband smiled weakly and then said, well, we certainly learned something tonight. Yes, her husband said, yes. never take a bottle of wine from Paul Wagner. I was going to say, I never go to dinner with Paul <laughs> Wagner. That's probably the end of it. Um, there was a couple others that he did, too. I, and this, he says, this is not, this, he didn't do it to the high level of spice. Right. Um, and I've read a couple other things about it that didn't seem to be crazy spicy. He did one with uh, a Merlot with coffee beans and jalapeno. No. Yeah. Okay. And a Chardonnay with peaches and ginger root, which added a spicy touch. And you can did. see how that would go with some yeah. foods. I like the name of the brand, St. Mayhem. Yes. And do we know where mayhem comes from? Uh, it's right next to chaos, isn't it? The no, country. actually, yeah. no, I'm, I'm wrong about that. But this mayhem is a great name for this wine. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's, yeah, it's I th chaos. I thought it's, it, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. In any case. All right. Cool. All right. Uh, so so what are we drinking today? Yeah, well, <laughs> at these places that we're about to go, you might need the jalapeno pepper. <laughs> so this is, um, this is from a, a website. It's a high-end website called Le Pan. Yes, actually um, very successful. Yeah, very international audience. It's published yep. in Chinese and English. Yep. Um, they are based in China, but they are all over. Yeah. Um, and uh, so these are these are suggesting some interesting wine tastings around the world. Around the world that yeah. we can that we can attend. Have we been invited? We will. There's one of these I do not want to go. Have we been? Have we been uninvited? Well, if they knew we were asking to come, they would <laughs> they uninvite would, us. They would uninvite us. They would completely just, yeah. Okay, good. So the first one, I don't think I want to go to this, but this is pretty cool. It's the Frozen Tundra Wine Fest at Parallel 44 Winery in Wisconsin. Okay. So that tells you where the winery is on yes, the 44th Parallel. They yes. are north. They're north. And every February, they have a sub-zero tasting. It's this February in Wisconsin. It's outdoors. They build the bar out of ice, which is not hard. Um, huh. It's usually the average temperature for this event is minus 25 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> and they have wines. They have gourmet food. They have live music until the musicians get hypothermia. <laughs> and then they finish with a sleigh ride across the tundra. And I like what they say about this. It's a must-do for any hearty Wisconsinite. How do they keep the wine from freezing? 
I haven't a clue. Uh, I imagine they wrap it, and yes, they <laughs> they put it in their That's pants. Great. I don't know. They, yeah, everybody yes. in their mukluks and their yeah. Yeah, and, and and pretending they're having a good time. Well, the Wisconsinites <laughs> are hardy folk. I've you know, so, God bless them. Right. This next one is um, it's kind of funny because LePan got this got what was wrong, which is almost as funny as what this is. Mm. Um, they called it a submarine wine tasting um, from Soto Marino Winery on Treasure Island in San right, Francisco. Right yeah. San Francisco. And and Soto Marino means uh, submarine in Italian. Yes. Um, and then what they use is they use a former Navy wet trainer, which is. What uh, it's a ship that is modeled to be a submarine. Yeah. It's and it's really just it's an old hulk of a ship, and it doesn't go anywhere. Um, and they use it for training. It's for training things like water running in and what to do with uh, okay. damage control. It's okay. damage control training. Okay, so it's like those houses that the fire department burns over and over and sort over. Sort of again. like that. It, yeah. It's okay. a cross between that and the Disneyland submarine, I think, when right. the, okay. you know, little, little mermaids come up. Right. Um, and and and. It, it's it's funny because and that the winery is made and you taste in what amounts to the middle of the galley of the sub of this. and they give you a tour of this thing which is pretty cool yeah you know but yeah, it's okay. not a real sub yeah. um, and Lapin th- thought it was a real sub it's called by the way are they well they say this historic submarine and um, tour the historic USS Buttercup. <laughs> <laughs> So that's clearly yes. there's a language issue right there. Right next if, to the USS um, Pansy well, and the I th- USS I thought it was Gar- uh, Princess Bride is what it is. Gardenia remember Buttercup was and, yeah. for, for anybody's a Princess Bride fan. They know that was the name of the name of the princess. So I thought it'd be right next to the Princess Bride. In any case, all right. Here's another one: a shark safari and wine tasting in Cape Town, South Africa. So there's a company called the. African Adventure Consultants, and they take people out to Seal Island, which is a great white hunting ground off of the western, in the western great Cape. Great white meaning great, great white, white sharks, shark. right? And then and, they, and they're not hunting the sharks. The no, sharks the sharks are, are hunting, hunting you. Yeah, yeah. and and <laughs> you know that part of the world that it doesn't this sound like fun. <laughs> yes, yes. So they, you get you get to go down on a shark cage. You've been invited to this one many yes. times. What Rick. they're what they're doing is they are <laughs> testing out seawater and human pairings. <laughs> <laughs> How do those go together? <laughs> yes, yeah. um, and if uh, if the sh- you go down to a shark cage, and if you survive that, then you get to go for a wine tasting. Aye, aye, aye. So that one's that's for the adventurous. Yeah, and then then this one is uh, a vineyard tour in Morocco. And okay. it uh, it started in 1977. Yeah, there actually are uh, some good a, wine, There yeah. is a wine industry in Morocco. Yeah, yeah, and they use cla- this is classic French varietals, yeah. and um, and they have the classic tour of the vineyards, yes. which are usually pretty darn boring. By the way, yeah. I mean I like going out to the vineyards like the next guy, but after a while, you know, they make this a little better. But you get to go on a camel. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a one humper too. Yeah, I, well, that's a good question. And I, you I, know, in Morocco, it's got to be a one humper. It probably is. And you walk. So I, I think the, I wonder if they let you carry your glass because I got to think it's hard not to spill. Uh, but in any case, that's what they. That's that's, that's well, what's going on there. The one good thing about camels is they know how to spit. There's that. So you know, that's right. So the, what you're saying is the camels are never drunk. Camels are never so drunk. So they're not getting pulled they're over. They're the designated no, driver. No DUI for the camel. All right. <laughs> All right. I got one other thing. It's not really a wine thing. I just liked it. All right. <laughs> okay. It's a cheese thing. Because we're not, if we're not whiny, we're, we're cheesy. We're cheesy. We're definitely <laughs> right. cheesy. Yeah. So this Italian police say they just recently arrested a gang of 11 thieves over 14 months who stole almost $900,000 worth of cheese. Wow. <laughs> Giant wheels of cheese. What they did was they, there were 2,000 plus, you know, 2,000 and change wheels of Parmigiano Reggiano. Yeah. Which and those is, are big. 
big. Yeah. These are big. You know, they each one was worth roughly 430 pounds, but some were larger. Yeah. And it's a it's a protected product in Europe. You know, you can't right. actually call stuff this. Right. What they did was they. Um, <laughs> they they issued they, they had what they they turned up they were investigating this because just you know cheese is slow, from cheese warehouses is disappearing. That's yeah right. and, and the mice aren't getting any yeah, fatter they got the res- resveratrol so they, they're <laughs> longer right. lived but right. the mice don't seem to be they don't look somebody, any happier <laughs> but somebody moved their cheese <laughs> yeah, somebody, <laughs> yes. so basically what they found was they found like this a lot of equipment for bypassing building security and uh, long trails of cheese leading to giant bowls of pasta apparently. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. That's, uh, that's enough noodling around. Uh, that's, yeah. We've been cheesy enough. Uh, this is Ball Talk with Rick and Paul. Next up, we'll take some questions. We won't be too cheesy. We try. Anyway, stay <laughs> with us. Listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and it is time to take questions from questions from listeners. If you'd like to ask us a question, go to rickandpaulwine.com. It's all one word, Rick and Paul Wine. And find us on iTunes. You can subscribe for free. You just click, and there you go. All right. So, uh, if somebody's new to us, how do we tell them that they should be listening? Well, I think we can say that we like wine, we like cheese, and we're smarter than the average mouse. Well, that second last part's debatable, but we do like wine and cheese. <laughs> yeah, the m- mice would argue otherwise. <laughs> All right. I'm not getting into a debate with a mouse. <laughs> no, you can't win those. <laughs> All right. So Paul is a respected industry pro. I'm sorry I'm laughing because I know mice are good. <laughs> hey, take my credentials seriously <laughs> yes. here. Yeah. I'm sorry. The, the m- <laughs> uh, the, yeah. the mice do. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Paul, you better take this. <laughs> I don't know if I can, but Rick is a New York Times uh, best-selling author on wine, and he's the columnist or commentary on Capital Public Radio <laughs> about mice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all right. <laughs> Professional radio here. All right. So, Paul is an industry pro. I'm an industry pro. You wouldn't know it by listening to us. You can tell it. The only thing we can do from here is try to take a question and not do any mice jokes. Actually, <laughs> this is from Sorry Kevin Ostrowski in Beaver, Pennsylvania, because he, up until today. Oh, yeah. No, Kevin was the guy. He's a regular listener That's until right. probably heard us giggling about mice. So. That's right. Well, no, right. and beavers, because remember Beaver and Beaver Falls Beaver. and Joe Namath and that whole thing? Well, so let me read some of his stuff to us, because okay. we like Kevin, and he clearly is uh, a man of, of clearly moderate taste because he likes us. That's right. <laughs> and we like him, and here's why he says, First of all, despite listening to all your episodes, I still enjoy the show. Oh, you, <laughs> you kind of like it, Kevin. You, That's Ke- right. Kevin, you, you haven't heard what we just did bumbled there. But here's what he goes on, because we talked about this. He said we so- got something almost right. Okay. He says Joe Namath is from Beaver Falls, ah. the community across the Beaver River. Beaver Falls, same story. More of the furry rodents who made uh, fur that this air, whose fur made this area what it was in the 1700s. Okay, when we were considered by the the founding far founding fathers as the Western frontier, and later yeah. became the heart of the Whiskey Rebellion. He right. said, he says, he says, I think Joe Namath is even more famous here than George Washington himself, who visited our area but preferred Mount Vernon. Go figure. Well, remember the Whiskey Rebellion. George Washington kind of messed that up. He was in charge of a group of troops that, that in the Whiskey Rebellion, 
Well, anyway, it, it wasn't the it wasn't the shining moment of his career. Let's no. just put it that way. <clears throat> well, and he if he had probably stayed in Beaver or Beaver Falls, he probably would have done better. Uh, well, uh, he never would have become president. Yeah, but he might have become a really good quarterback. There you go, because that's that is the country. All right, so here's his question. It's about box wines and jug wines. Cool. And what he says is, um, I've heard. Lots of people berate the quality of wine in a jugger box. I admit I don't frequently buy those wines unless my, uh, like this quote, we don't care what kind of wine it is, relatives come over. Good. However, when I looked up one of the producers, a big name box wine producer, name not mentioned, see he's learning our tricks. They produce 20 million cases per year on the fourth yep. largest producer in the country. Somehow I think that they wouldn't have that kind of market, so perhaps jug and box wine may not be my choice, but it certainly satisfies lots of people. That's okay by me. It's more Bordeaux or Chilean Malbec or Grand Reserve or Rioja for me. Says, yeah. But what are your opinions of jug or box wines? Okay. So I'll, I'll start with this. He's absolutely right. They sell a ton, and that's a good thing. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. means it's popular. Lots of people like them. And and that, box wines actually are a large category, also in just in terms of their quality. Very, very uh, consistent quality. And in fact, it's it's safe to say that you can travel almost anywhere in the world and say, give me your least expensive wine and compare it to the least expensive wine in California, and the California wine is simply better. We do a better job of making inexpensive wine than almost anybody. Right, and one of the one of the many reasons is we get wine, uh, grapes get pretty ripe, and so Grape it's easy to get there. And the companies that do this, as he points they out, well. they are big companies. And their quality control is quite good, and they buy grapes from all over the place. They can blend to get what they want. And very consistent, very drinkable wines. Now, is this the kind of wine you can bring to your girlfriend's house when you're going to propose marriage to her? Uh, probably not. Is it the kind of wine you'd serve to your boss if he comes over for dinner? Probably not. But just as having a glass of wine around the table... Um, and particularly if you've got wine on the counter or wine in the fridge, you can pour yourself a glass. The wine stays fresh, and it's perfectly drinkable wine. Yeah, it's funny. It's I, it's, it's like we we talk about this a, a lot, and we're getting into party season. This is kind of the thing, you know. You certainly wouldn't bring a box <laughs> wine to a party, right? On the other hand, if you're throwing a big party and you got a, a big old box of Chardonnay in the fridge, that's not a bad thing. Or if you are even on a less expensive level, going to make some mulled wine for the holidays there and you, you want to add some spices, a box Absol wine yeah. is where and, you want to go. Some, it, would, some... it would actually be better than if you bought a more expensive wine because right. a more expensive wine big would probably have a yeah. little tannin and would have some other things yeah. that you don't want in your Big, simple, wine. round fruit flavors are great with mulled wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. You know, and we've mentioned this in the past that now it's been a couple of years, but one of the best of California wines in the state fair competition was a box Came wine. Was a box. reason. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So that meant best of the state. All right. Uh, yep. So, yep. Kevin, uh, thanks for listening. I hope that answers the question. Basically, yeah. Um, and that's be cool. fearless. Drink no. the box wines because they're a good value. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so this one's from Jill McCarthy in Fresno, and she says, "Does a ninety for a cheaper wine mean the same thing as a ninety for an expensive one?" Uh, so uh, yes, the answer is yes. That yeah. a, in fact, a best buy for a magazine is usually a nineties point score for a seven dollar bottle of wine, whereas a ninety point score for a seventy dollar wine wouldn't be a best buy. But that means that both those scores are they are comparable. Now each magazine has a different scale, right? And that's, so that's a ninety from one right. guy may not be the same as a ninety for another guy. But if it's the same guy, ninety points is ninety points. Right, right. And it's well, an a, an a in my book. I might argue that actually a 90 for a less expensive wine from a magazine, especially in the big deal magazines, 
is a better 90 because they, mm-hmm. they might have a bit of a prejudice. You, you know, they, they, they say they taste blind, but they can only taste so blind. They tend to know what they've got. And, right. uh, they, and in yeah. those cases, yeah. they're going to be a little more reluctant to give that uh, that expensive wine. The uh, inexpensive wine, the, inexpensive the high wine, score. The high score. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and they're a little bit swayed by the fact the wine costs $2,000 or whatever. It's gonna, right. Yeah, so— yep. Good. The answer is uh, yes. Good. The answer oh, is yes. Y- yeah, the answer is uh, no. It, yes uh, plus. Is it the same? Yes, the answer is the same. Yes that's, plus. That's what it is. Yes plus. Um, <laughs> I'd like to know what the mice think about <laughs> All right. Uh, apologies for that. That is it for this first half of the show. We will have more questions and a whole bunch more when we come right back, including some bad wine, wine writing. Uh, just stay with us. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Happy music, sad tidings ahead. <laughs> because what it yes, means, indeed. We, it's time for some really horrible wine writing. What okay, got, I got one here from a major magazine, major wine writer here. Let me just read this for you because it, it just rolls off the tongue, making you feel. It just makes you feel kind of stupid when you read it. <laughs> and, and, and maybe you should read it, Rick. <laughs> I feel stupid anyway. I don't, need, I don't need to. Combines firm, ripe, rich, and extracted flavors of current cedar, blackberry, and mineral with a sense of suppleness. The flavors build on the palate, ending with hints of mint, herb, cedar, and espresso. Wow, wow. Firm, ripe, rich, extracted. What's the difference? Those are all actually the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, but there's four words in a row there, so you know. Well, yeah, right. You know right. it's important. And then I like a sense of suppleness. Yeah, Because yes. that's different from suppleness. Yes, well, it would be a, is it is this the. Uh, uh, I don't know. That's, yeah. It's clearly over my head. And, and Paul, Probably written by mice. Yeah, and I've got, <laughs> I've got one for you. Okay. What flavor is mineral? <laughs> no, you get animal, vegetable, mineral. This yeah. is mineral. Yes, I, I, I goad as I ask because if anybody's listened to this more than 30 seconds, they know that Paul is not not fond of the term mineral as a flavor. Because nobody flavor actually knows what it means. Yeah. Other than that, it's a great word. Yes, I think I'm, yes, uh, in any case. I All just right. think that when you use mineral, half the time you should say mineral, and the other half you should simply reverse the letters because since nobody knows what it means, it doesn't matter. It's make you, up some word? You could then have laronym. <laughs> Oh, we know Hints actually. of Laranin. I, we, ha, we have wine writers who would use that sort of description. <laughs> right. um, so this one is a, I, mine is uh, from a very good winery. I like them. I like their wines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, these are their marketing attempts to get you to buy their Cabernets. Okay. The first one is just the gibberish approach. Excellent. Yes, that's always a good way to yes. get me to buy something. The pinnacle of our blending efforts, taking the most distinctive elements of each particular premium vineyard and creating a synergistic, multi-layered evocation of the vintage. The wine's name obeys, this is the part I really love, obeys no barometer or timepiece. It rarely announces its presence, but when it arrives, we celebrate. Now, I'm surprised. I'm kind of stunned. Most, I don't even know where to go with this one. Most of the wines I know 
would absolutely uh, obey a barometer you if know, the barometer me, told them what to too. do. Well, or at least the timepiece. Well, you have to figure one or the other. Yeah, because it just what kind of what, what kind of wine would look at a barometer and say, "I don't care what you say." It's crazy talk. <laughs> it's just wines <laughs> don't do that. Wine obeys no barometer or timepiece. Yes, it rarely uh, announces its presence. Yeah, I, that you know part, what it, you know what it should do. It should borrow the guys it from needs the history. Our, it needs our history trumpet It needs boys. our history guys. Yeah, they're going to be in here in, in, in a couple of minutes, so maybe we <laughs> maybe can get we them can to get work them for them to, to do give, a little— Give them a side gig. Give them a side gig announcing yeah. the wine presence. <laughs> yes, That's this, right. It is just—none of that makes the—I also like the creating a synergistic, multi-layered evocation of the vintage. Oh, dear Lord. Um, I don't okay. know. That's pretty good. That you got a, you know, that's somebody doing very well on a PSAT test, right? Yeah, there. or a, or a, uh, I would say we're using a one of those the good th- uh, thesaurus um, apps yeah, on the on the computer. Right. That's right. Okay. Uh, that is, yeah, that is the, some bad marketing writing. I right, hear, but there's more. There's more for these. So there's um, more. Yeah. So this one is uh, wine name removed again. Consistently offers the finest traits of both hillside and benchland fruit. It exemplifies the balance of power and grace that is so revered and expected of winery name removed. Let me read two more. The wine created from this compelling location already ex- exhibits the trademark power and elegance that are hallmarks of our winery name. Known for perfect balance and power and finesse, winery name is removed. Is consistent. The wine name is consistently praised and highly sought by collectors. Savor the wine and experience the passion. Experience the passion. Yeah. No, I think you read that wrong. It's experience the passion. I think I need a Spanish accent this, for that. This, this from a wine that doesn't announce its presence yes. and will not obey a barometer. Well, these were three different versions of the Cabernet, so these might obey the barometer anyway, uh, okay. or, or at least the timepiece. Uh, there's one part of this I like, too, because it's really bad grammar when it says it exemplifies the balance and power of balance. I'm sorry. It exemplifies the balance of power and grace that is so revered and expected of the winery. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you take out the expected, because that's a compound, it should be, that is so revered of the winery. Yeah, yeah it wouldn't which, work. Yeah. No, that doesn't work. No, yeah. No. Well, it's all, you know, they just different ways of saying power, grace, finesse, elegance. They're, uh, and, but n- none of them actually but, tell you one whit about what the wine well, might only be. only one of them says experience the passion. That's the one. That must be the one. That's the one. The wine with the, the passion. One. The yes. one that's and it seems to me that if it it really has the passion, it's also the one that wouldn't obey the barometer. Oh, it clearly does not. Passionate wine does not listen I'll to a barometer. I'll bet it spits in the barometer's it face. It probably does, or ours. In any case, <laughs> <laughs> you are listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. When we come right back, we are going to have some history for you. Stay with us. You are listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Hey guys, before you leave, we got a winery name we want to give you because I think they can use <laughs> give your them a help. Call. They yeah, can use a they little can, help. They, they, their wines are showing up unannounced. <laughs> <laughs> I always want to stand up when those guys start yes, playing. You know, I do too. Okay. <laughs> All but, right, Paul. Well, before I start giggling about mice, better tell us some history moments. Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you another animal kingdom joke here, right. which is in China they make a wine that includes in the bottle the body of a scorpion, mm. so that you get the full flavor of the wine with a little extra something, a little extra, let's say, it's, bite or sting. That's even better it. than jalapeno. I'm not sure what you pair with scorpion wine, but it would make a great gift for anybody born in November. 
Yeah, that's Scorpio. Yeah, that's true. And I'm sure it cures whatever ails you. <laughs> I think it must. Talk about a little bit of the hair of the dog that yeah, bit you. This would be yeah. a little bit of the... I wonder how many people they lose getting that scorpion in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although now we know what to get Sting for his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> there you are. All right, so I bring you a tale of an Egyptian king named Scorpion. Ah, okay. And his real name. He's actually the, not the movie thing, but he really was King Scorpion. He's roughly 3200 BCE. So that so, was a while ago. That was a while ago. About the beginning of history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tomb was dug up recently, and he was near the city of Luxor. And mm-hmm. they found mm-hmm. things like... Clothes and jewelry and furniture and ivory tags with hieroglyphics and more than 300 intact clay jars. Yep. So the, the jars, and this was not uncommon, and there were chemical traces of wine. Right. The thing was there were no vineyards for hundreds and hundreds of miles. Yeah. So archaeologists did this kind of sleuthing that archaeologists do where they send Indiana Jones out to beat up people and right. get some answers. That's right. And apparently what they found was that the wine was like trekked hundreds of miles, probably from the Gaza. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. it was crossed the Sinai down the Nile to, to deliver to the King Scorpion. But here's the thing. The guy didn't drink the wine. He wasn't a wine drinker. There was really? no archaeological evidence that the king, King Scorpion, or King Scorpo, as his friends called him. <laughs> Scorp. Scorp. I only called him that once, though. Uh, <laughs> ever actually drank wine. There was no other evidence of that. It was for his tomb to take in the afterlife to share with and party with the gods. Because the Egyptians, as I understand it, they did drink some wine, at least later, yeah. maybe not this early. Yeah. But the big drink in Egypt was beer. Yeah. Well, you're thinking if he's bringing this wine in with all that kind of, he probably needed a good distributor. Well, that's right. Well, he so, probably couldn't sell it. That's why he ended up with 300 jars under his house. Could he, be the issue, yeah. He, he couldn't find a market so for it. So he, um, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Well, we were, uh, we've been, we've been, we took a nice email from Kevin Ostrowski, the, uh, he of Beaver, Pennsylvania. But he also sent us a fun thing, and we, we might be able to, to use this in the future, too. It was ways to identify wine snobs. We have a, some of Kevin's list, and then we have some of our own additions. Um, but if you've got one uh, you would like to let us know about, email us at rickandpaulwine.com. We should put this on the website. We should yeah. have a whole little— We will have a list. But meanwhile, you can find it in our comment section or our question section. Yeah. Just say, this is this is how you identify a, a website, and, and let us know. Also, let us know your city so that we can make fun of it the way we have Beaver, Pennsylvania. Actually, As we have not. Beaver we have, Falls, which have, is where Joe named it. We have not so. made fun of it. We've actually uh, idolized it. All right, so here are some of the Kevins. He says—and this is— this man who listens to our show, he says, they hold the glass by their base. You've already discussed, he says. Right, because most normal people hold a wine glass by the stem. Right, or even the bowl. And some people hold it by the bowl, although that gets the wine body temperature. But the people who hold it right down there at the base, they're idiots. Yes, yes. Okay. There's, the only thing you can do with that is spill your wine. Yes. Yeah. And, and we I, do that even without doing that. Well, yeah. Okay. Right. So why, why add why, to it? Why make it easier? Show your ability by spilling it on Show your own. Off. Yeah. That's right. That's what I say. His, his, when they serve a wine, they always tell you the wine's rating, and it's never below 90. That's a good That's one, That's a Kevin. good one, especially because, you know, if you know the rating of the wine you're serving, it's, you're already— Yeah. There's something wrong with you. Yeah. And nobody cares. Right. Yeah. Uh, this is another one, too. They also tell you how much they paid for it. It's Ooh. always very expensive, but they are so smart and found this very special bargain. Yes. In that little shopping basket by yes, the door the one that right they there. 
they're, sell. That's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. They, and in the, in the same way that when people serve you um, food at the dinner table for their party, they tell you that the beef was six ninety nine a pound. <laughs> yes. And the, I always want to know that I got bargain <laughs> beef. Yeah. You know, and by the way, how old is that? Those eggs too? Are they like really old? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, they only drink wine. Well, this was. There, I don't think there's any Pinot Noir under thirty five dollars with drinking. We had a question about this not so long ago. That's right. He's absolutely right. That's there's right. plenty of good Pinots. Yep. They only now this is a guy from Beaver, Pennsylvania, so this is a little different too. But they only drink wine from Napa Valley or California because wine from New York, Virginia, or Argentina is just not that good. Yeah. 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 And, and of course we know that they're making good wine not only in many, many different countries all over the world, but in almost all the all states. All states. Yeah. Yep. So we have a couple other additions too. If you're from New York, you never drink wine from California because Californians are uncool. You, you only own, drink European wine. Only European wine. And, and by the way, that does not include Greece, for example. No, That's, that would be uncool. No, no, no. Yeah, no, no. It's, France, Italy, be old. France, Italy, only for parties with the help would you drink Spanish wine. <laughs> That's right. Uh, uh, another one is whatever you like, they don't. They that's are too right. cool to like your wine. That's right, including yeah. this show. Yes, well, that's <laughs> uh, that's not necessarily a bad judgment on their part. <laughs> they tell stories about the wines they drank long ago, on and on and on. Yeah, and you know, the, they're not stories. They're not even stories. No, they just said, I had a. Yeah, yeah I had a, and it tasted really good, and you haven't had that. Have right, you? it wasn't like I was fi- fighting with a Moroccan prince one time. And, no, no, you know, no, 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 it that's, wasn't That's like, a good story. That's yeah. a story, yeah. that's right. Yeah, no, yeah. it's just, yeah, I had And his camel spit on me, and <laughs> Yeah, that's I'll listen to that story. Um, uh, they t- uh, at dinner with a bunch of people at the table. They go on and on and on about the qualities of the wine and why it's great if they brought it. If they brought it, right? The other wines, no comment. But no their comment. Wine. Let me tell you all about this yes, wine because this is the one thing I can't possibly offer any perception on anything else going on at the table because yes. I'm a complete idiot. And, but, but now let me rant on for 20 minutes about I, the wine. I want I you to know how smart I am about wine. <laughs> right, right. Okay. Here's, this is this is a pure uh, cue that they are a wine snob. They say, I'm a wine snob. <laughs> but, you know, people do that. Like, people I'm a wine snob. That. Like, that somehow, it's that's like somehow, saying, yeah. you know, why don't they just say, I'm a moron. I'm a jerk. <laughs> yeah, I'm a jerk. That's really a better one. I'm a Good. Jerk. And here's the final and I think really damning uh, evidence that somebody is a wine snob. They don't listen to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. In fact, they say, oh, those guys. Oh, those guys. Yeah. yeah. You, however, are listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, so you are certifiably a good person. Salt of the earth. Yeah, that's right. And thank you, uh, Kevin, for that first half of that lift, and hope you don't mind our additions. And uh, for you salt of the earth folk, it is time to take a few more questions from from all you good people. If you'd like to ask us a question to add to your good person street cred. You could tell your friends at dinner that you submitted a question and it was used on the air. And at- tell them how much you paid for it. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find us at rickandpaulwine.com or find Find us on iTunes and subscribe with a click. All right. So this was a question from uh, Francisco in Sunnyvale. He says, we have a bunch of parties coming up. Some of them are work people and some are other friends. What should I bring? By the way, I live in Silicon Valley, but I don't work in the tech industry. I work with normal people. (laughs) Nice. You know, there's a cute little story there because I once was invited in the early days of the New Zealand wine industry. I was invited down to Marlboro and to speak at a conference, and I, you know, I didn't know anybody there. If anybody doesn't know, Marlboro is, of course, the, just the heart of New Zealand wine country. Right. right. And I don't really know anybody there. And we're in somebody's house, and it's kind of a cocktail party. And I'm in one of those awkward moments where a few people have been introduced, and they've sort of, I've sort of wandered away to get a drink or something. And I'm just kind of standing there, and this woman walks up to me. 
And she says, so what do you do? And I said, well, actually, I'm, you know, I teach wine and I'm, I'm from the Napa Valley. And she says, oh, she says, well, I raise sheep. I think I'm the only normal person in this room. <laughs> and I loved his comment when he said, I'm in Silicon Valley and I'm a normal person. Because there was that sense that the whole part of New Zealand was getting overrun by so-called wine people. Right. And, and the normal sheep farmers were just looking at first. Going, right. what yeah. the heck yeah. are these people doing? Well, and we've heard... That's, that's was good. there a question uh, here? Yeah, Francisco was asking what wine to break the parties. We will talk about this even more over the next few weeks, really, because it's the season, it's right? It's the season for parties. Um, and, and we just mentioned that a little bit with the box wines. It's a, If you're throwing a party, it's not a bad thing to use as a base of some things, but clearly showing up the door with the box wine... Well, the box of wine. It doesn't look good, doesn't even look good. as good as the wine might be. Um, so uh, there's there's a handful of approaches. Um, you give them your best shot, well, I'll give them my well, best I'll give, shot. Yeah, I have a couple. So I say if you're going to just a large party right, and you want people to like and drink your wine, I say bring a Chardonnay because people are going to like it. They'll drink Chardonnay. People okay. just drink Chardonnay. Yeah, but you can buy, bring Chardonnay from $3 to $75. I'll bring a decent one. You know, not, it doesn't have to be super expensive, you okay. know, but in that sort of the, that $10 supermarket range Chardonnay, people, it's long, you know, if you, especially these okay. are normal folk, there are plenty of good ones out there that lots and lots of people will like. Another really good option for a red wine that lots and lots of people will drink is a Zinfandel. Decent, right. solid California Zins. <clears throat> right. You know, lots of people end up liking it, whether they say they will or not, but they're very, very drinkable. If you're going to a dinner party. Mm, yeah, that's and, a bigger Yeah, problem. it's a little harder, but there's two ways to go at this. And one of them is if you can, you can call and ask ahead what they're making, and then you can bring a wine that pairs. If not, I say just bring a bottle of Cabernet, even if it doesn't go with the food, because Cabernet looks like you're trying. Well, it looks like a thoughtful gift. As does Bubbly. As does Bubbly. As does and Bubbly. And Bubbly goes well with and lots of stuff. to too. me, there's a real question. If you call and ask them what they're having for dinner, I, I almost prefer to say, I'm bringing a bottle of wine, and I don't want you to open it tonight. Well, this is another whole kettle of fish. I'm right. just bringing a bottle of wine it, for you to enjoy but, when all of our guests have gone home, and you can just have a nice... So then you don't have to worry about that. Yeah, although I think Francisco's asking about wines for the parties. I agree with for you For the totally. parties. Yeah. Right. So, here, so here's my thought. If it's a big party and nobody knows what it is everybody else brought, if it's a big enough party that you're going to walk in, somebody's going to take that bottle, somebody who doesn't own anything, and is just going to put it on a table along with all the other bottles, bring a bottle of wine you really like to so drink. So you can drink it. Yeah. So at the very well, that's, least, that's our trick, as yeah. the... Party goes on, there will be at least one bottle there that you can say, you know, this is delicious. Yep. And you can endorse it wholeheartedly. It's a different question if you're greeted at the door by the organizer who knows and is tracking what everybody brought. And this is where I say, there you got to go into a wine shop and you got to ask for some advice. You don't have to spend a lot of money, but you have to pick something that isn't on sale and is something that's unusual doesn't matter what it is. It's the same point to your Cabernet when you bring in a bottle you, you of look like a a Sirtico yeah. from Greece. A lovely white wine. A lovely white wine. You I walk like in, yeah. you put it on the table, and everybody says, ooh, what's this? And you say, okay, see, I pay attention. I tried hard. I brought something you might not have had before. You're golden. It does sound like it sounds like the kind of party. He said, well, you're right, because if it's a small party, the person's answering the door. If it's a large party, they just pop it in there. Um, right. 
an almost simple way to think about it. I, I you know, the it's it's very selfish of Paul to bring that up, but I, it's what I do, <laughs> which is to <laughs> bring a wine that I like. I, there's always one wine that I know that we're going to like if we're going to a party, right? Um, and so that that's absolutely true. But really, the, a well, nice, I mean, you win either way, right? Because if you go back to the wine table, you 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 know, you take your coat off, you meet a few people, you go back to the wine table, and your wine is already gone. Then people liked it. Then people liked yep. it. Yeah, yeah. And you're golden. Yeah. And if, on the other hand, you go back to the table and the bottle is full, you got stuff to drink all night. So either way, you win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the other thing, too, by the way, is, uh, you know, if you really, really want to simplify, it's just, you know, think about some wines that you know are very popular. Right. And and bring one of those. Well, and see, I'm going to say that's one plan, but then the other plan is to say, get that price point and then go talk to the shop guy and say, what's something people don't normally order? Yeah. Same rough price point, but th- it shows that you're trying in a it way does. that just getting the same old popular wine yeah. doesn't. Well, Francisco, I'm, I'm telling you how to do it without trying. Paul, Paul wants you to put some effort in it because he's like, you know, he's decent about these things. I am not. <laughs> All right. I hope that's some helpful. <laughs> um, this is from Elaine in Yountville. Cool. Wine I, country. That's uh, true. I was reading magazine name removed so we don't get sued. We've been doing that today a lot. And they said a Syrah may have been the finest Syrah they ever tasted and gave it 95 points. How does that work? Yeah. If it's the best possible Syrah, <laughs> shouldn't it be 100? Yes. <laughs> Can some wines only get a 95? They had a, they had a cab that was, quote, tightly wound, whatever that means, and said it should develop with, should develop with time in the bottle, but gave time in bottle, and quote, unquote, time in bottle, and gave it a 96. And why can't they use the word the? <laughs> time in bottle or articles uncool. Yes, they articles are uncool. Uh, articles are uncool. I, oh, Elaine, I like this Elaine. Great. This is great. <laughs> Elaine, you're our kind of person. <laughs> so first of all, you're absolutely right. By most standards, by most wine magazines, there are only about four wines that can get 100 points. Yeah, yeah. Cabernet, eh, rare Chardonnay, uh, Pinot Noir, yep. uh, Champagne. And vintage port. That's pretty much what you get for your hundred points. Yeah, Everything or, else, or or the very high end Saturns like a, a, a Chateau yes. Camp. Yeah. Anything else you're going to be, you know, it's very difficult. For example, for a Chenin Blanc to get ninety more than ninety points. Uh, Sauvignon Blanc, same thing. So you're absolutely right, and there's no excuse for right. it. It just means that there is an implied prejudice in every wine writer about certain varietals, and it's too bad because there are some really great wines out there that should be 100-point wines that aren't because they're not made from the right grape for that writer. You know, um, I have a friend who is a longtime uh, major magazine wine critic who's now in the industry, uh-huh. and one of the reasons that he's in the industry is because um, uh, some of the major wine companies would like to know how to make 90-point wines. Right. And so he knows what he tastes and what he scores. Right. And and he and I had this discussion about about wines and he said, yep. "Look, I can get you to 90 with a Sauvignon Blanc. That's about the best I could do. Maybe right. I get you 91 or 92, right. but it just they won't do more than that. They no they won't give it to you." Yeah. And it's just, you know, and so you know, we had a question earlier about uh, the, the price of the wine and the, right. and the wine score. And that, while on the one hand, those are pretty much across the board, you yep. do kind of have to make do that math, you know. Yep. Because, and it's really you know, sad when you, for example, really like Sauvignon Blanc or you really like Chenin Blanc and are frustrated by the fact that you lo- the wine you like the best will never get those high scores. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I mean, I, this is... This is we've we've had this discussion a bit about um, about scores and it's a complicated 
thing to think about, and they're very helpful for some people, and they're the worst way to deal with wine, but in some ways, the only way. And right. But Elaine's complaint is so completely legitimate, which is right. that the problem is the scores need to be consistent. If it's the best Syrah you've ever tasted, right. it ought to get 100 points. Right. And we understand that magazine to magazine or critic to critic, they're going to be different, but with internally, they should be consistent. Another example. If you're comparing opera to television, you can have a 100-point opera and everybody be happy as heck with a 100-point opera. 100-point television show, there are a lot of people say, you know, no television show is ever going to make it to 100 points. Best you can get out of a television comedy is about 93 points. It just shows why points are such a stupid way to look at things like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's that's done for questions. Uh, We want to move right to our food pairing because we're hungry. Closing on lunchtime. Yeah. And uh, and I happen to think that this is, this is you know, see, I get to pick the food pairings. This is the price yes, you pay you for letting me do these, yes, Paul. Yes, you do. Because we come up with stuff that I like. Okay. But this is one of my favorite winter kinds of foods. Yeah. Blackened fish. Okay. And particularly with Cajun spice. But let's talk about it less spicy and then spicy. Yeah. So first, blackened fish. Well, uh, either way, I'm going for a very cold, crisp, fresh, lively white wine. And whether it's a Sirtico from Greece, which would be great. Mm-hmm. With this, we just mentioned that, yeah. Or Sauvignon Blanc, which we also just mentioned. Uh, something with a lot of acidity, something that sort of plays the role of a nice fresh slice of lemon next to the fish plate. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I like I like it for this time of year for kinds of complicated reasons. I like the spice. I like the heat. It just it works for me. But it also brings up um, something that is an opportunity for me to drink the wine that me and my wife love so much, which is any good sparkling. Of course. Yeah. It of goes course. so blackened fish, spicy fish, spicy things. Sparkling is such a great way to go. It's and yep. it, it's an excuse to open that those puppies at this time of year. That's you know? right. Uh, and, uh, that's I'm right. I don't, and I don't, not share them with people who are over at your house at a party. You get to drink them all yourself. No, we just we get the really inexpensive box wines. That's what we. <laughs> I don't know if you can sparkling get box. I don't know that that's available. All right. (laughs) That is it for another round of Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, our engineers, Matt Bassini. Thank you, Matt. Thanks to Capital Public Radio for the studio use. If you'd like to ask us a question or join that list of what makes a wine snob, go to rickandpaulwine.com, all one word. And don't forget, you can find us on iTunes for free. If you learned anything today, we hope it's be careful about drinking wine with jalapenos on fake submarines riding a, a camel. (laughs) Or, or, or. <laughs> yeah, that's our lesson. Yeah, yeah. That does. Okay, I'm Rick Christian. <laughs> I'm Paul Wagner. <laughs> Remember, the best wines you drink are with friends. Or with us. Especially with us.